Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows, and of course, there's so much going on in New York City this time of year, even WWE Wrestling. That's right, coming up the day after Christmas, December 26th, Madison Square Garden. We recorded a podcast earlier today. The tickets were $40 for WWE. They've already dropped to $35. How about that? For game time tickets already dropping five dollars that show just a couple days away so check out some wrestling sporting events concerts all of it on the game time app and right now game time is hooking you up for the holidays with a ten dollar credit here's what to do download the game time app in the google play or app store click on the my Tickets section of the app create an account then under the billing section redeem the code the athletic once again that's the athletic all one word for ten dollars off your first purchase that's free money Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. shop for all things jets now here are your hosts tim mcmaster and connor hughes listen safely can't wait it was a dog fight and we knew that coming in um we did our job we did we did what we needed to do to get a win it was a dogfight, all right, an ugly one, but the Jets get a 16-10 win against a borderline playoff team in the Steelers. Jets now 6-9 and heading into the season finale against Buffalo. Welcome in to the Can't Wait Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes, our Jets reporter here at The Athletic. Definitely subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, let's get into this game. We're going to talk about... Le'Veon Bell, we're going to talk about Sam Darnold, the defense, all that stuff, and how this Jets team pulled out a win against the Steelers. Let's start with Bell, though, Connor, because, hey, the guy talked the talk. He showed up at the stadium wearing black and gold against his former team, and then it wasn't a spectacular performance, but in the biggest moments of this game in the fourth quarter, he came through with huge runs, and he gets the last laugh against the Steelers. Yeah, give the guy credit. Look, I mean, Bell said everything right throughout the course of this week. I mean, I, I was quite literally under the impression and, and believed him, you know, kind of took a hook, line, and sinker that this was just another game for him, that he wasn't more amped up, that, you know, there was a, there was a little more emotion because he spent all those years with Pittsburgh and, and developed himself into one of the league's best backs during his time with the Steelers. But seriously, after after listening to him talk, and, and I, I, I did believe that, look, this, this was a a clean divorce. It wasn't all that ugly. Bell simply wanted to get paid. The Steelers weren't going to give him the money that he wanted to. So he went out on the open market. He found the contract he wanted and he signed it. And the Steelers were better off for it because they found James Conner. Bell was better off for it because he got the deal he so uh, desperately coveted. And and that was it. But when he showed up wearing black and gold, uh, when he walked off the bus there at MetLife Stadium, black and gold, that's that's when everything was... uh, that that's when the the slate was wiped clean of this game didn't mean anything more to Bell and and he admitted as much after the game he said this was one that he was emotional about it was one that he was fired up for and pretty much every Jet player 
to a man said that they wanted to go out there and win this game for for not only Le'Veon Bell, but some of the other former Steelers that are on this roster as well, like Steve McClendon, who's a team captain, Kelvin Beecham, who's a team captain, and and you hit the nail on the head, Tim. I mean, look, Bell had a good game. Was he elite? Was he dominant? Was he electric? No, he averaged like a little under three yards a carry on 25 touches, the 72 yards uh, caught, I believe it was three or four passes there, four passes for 21 yards with a long of 12. But he made the plays for the Jets when when they needed him. He had some some runs there where he showed the the burst that made him so effective during his All Pro years with the Steelers, and and he helped the Jets win this game. You know, was he the the sole reason? No, but it's hard to imagine the Jets don't win this one without him on the field. You know, it was good to see for the first time in quite a while the Jets truly run their offense through Le'Veon Bell, and and I'd expect to see that. Quite a bit moving forward here, talking about into into the 2021 season or 2020 season, I'm sorry, uh, assuming they don't look to deal Bell in the offseason. You mentioned a clean divorce. I would say it was a clean divorce after maybe an ugly separation with the the season that he didn't play last year with the Steelers. The two runs that stand out to me, the third and five on that final drive, he gets seven yards, and then third and long, and he got that 11-yard gain that really put them safely in field goal range. That field goal ended up being huge because I think if it's a three-point game, there's no doubt the Steelers probably end up kicking a field goal there in the final minutes and and tying it up, and then you head to overtime. But because it was six, uh, put the extra pressure pressure on uh, Duck Hodges and and they weren't going to come through with that. So uh, good performance by Bell. And, and you mentioned all the other Steelers players. And there was also Heinz Ward who gets the Gatorade bath after the game. And there seems to be, and I don't know if anybody really realized it, maybe a little bit of bitterness there between Heinz Ward and Mike Tomlin. We had the Steelers podcast, uh, and I guess Tomlin not hiring Heinz Ward to be the Steelers receivers coach, and and Ward may have felt the, the win was as sweet as Bell did. Oh, he wanted this one, man. You know, we talked to him on Friday, and he made that abundantly clear that this was a game that he wanted, that all those years he spent with the Steelers. 14 years Heinz Ward was with the Steelers. I mean, he caught 1,000 balls for like 1,200 yards. He was and still is one of the best players to ever play for that franchise and and you kind of saw him have that emotion of all those years in in the black and yellow all those years of of blood sweat and tears kind of poured into that franchise to now for the first time in his career go against them and versus them you could tell it meant a little bit more to him and that's why he said on Friday that that, look if if we're gonna win this game I want a Gatorade bath after and his players did it I think Braxton Berrios was the guy that was holding the jug and dumped it over Heinz Ward's head Adam Gase was laughing about it in the post-game press conference or getting as close to laughing as Adam Gase can get after a game. He's so, you know, stone, stone-faced stone and statuesque there during the post-game press conferences. But, yeah, this, this was a big win for the Jets top to bottom. There are so many ex-Steelers on there. It's a it's a understandable reason why the Jets have tried to pick the scrap heap there of, of the guys that have let go because that's a team that year after year is one of the better in the league. They're always in contention. They're always in the playoffs. They're always fighting for a potential title. You know, sometimes they fall short. Sometimes they get there. But to get guys off of that franchise, to to bring that culture into one Jets drive and, and on this team, it obviously is something the Jets are looking to do. And for them to get this win, I'm sure that it felt pretty good for, for so many of the ex-Steelers on the team. It's crazy after this win, the record goes to 6-9, and nine, and you start to wonder if a couple of things had gone right, if they don't lose to the Dolphins, if, if they get this win here, just a the couple Bengals, of breaks. The Bills, and they yeah. yeah, they'd actually be right in the hunt here entering Week 17 with maybe a shot to, to sneak into a wild card. But obviously, that's been out of the picture for a long time, just the way the season played out. But that said, Bell plays well and is a 
well, a workhorse, I guess I would use, a, a focal point, as you said. And then Jamal Adams back healthy and, and dominating on defense again, and we'll break down the defense as a whole, but but Adams a big force uh, on Sunday as well. These are two te- two guys that we've talked about the possibility of, of the Jets trading to add more draft capital and make this team younger and get more talent in there. But with this win, and hey, if they win next week and end up 7-9, and nine, who knows, um, does that change the perspective, do you think, from a front office about trading those two guys? I Honestly, Tim, I, I think that in a way it might. And I don't know if it should, but I think that it, it might change the overall outlook of this roster. And look, I, I think the Jets are going to win next week against the Bills because Buffalo has nothing to play for. They've got the playoffs in yep. sight. You might see Josh Allen for a quarter. You might see those starters for a series or two just to keep them you know, fresh a little bit and, and not give them a full week off. But they're not going to keep anyone who plays who can play any significant role in an upset playoff victory there as a wild card team in a meaningless game against the Jets where the Jets are playing all their starter or what's left of their starters going up against the team trying to get a win they're just not going to risk injury they're going to yank them and the Jets in their current state should be able to beat the B team and the Bills and and I think that they will and at 7 and 9 look I know that there's this was an incredibly weak schedule for the Jets throughout this year I, I think that obviously when you looked at it you realized they weren't playing the cream of the crop of the competition with games like you said against the Bengals two against the Dolphins so many other teams the Jets played that just were not good football teams but I think that the way that they have finished this season starting the year 1 and 7 potentially finishing it 6 and 2 beating some teams like the Cowboys, like the Steelers, like the Raiders, who while none of those three teams are, are Super Bowl contenders, they're also pretty decent teams and were decent teams at the time the Jets played them. To have wins like that with the state of this roster, with all of the injuries that have decimated this team, torn them apart, it's it's worthy to think and ask yourself that if this team was entirely healthy through the course of the year, how many more games would they have won? Obviously, you want to say that if C.J. Mosley doesn't go down, they're going to beat the Buffalo Bills in the opener, so that's one more game. You want to say that maybe if this whole team was healthy, that that, that maybe they come out and they beat the Dolphins in that first meeting. Maybe if Sam Darnold doesn't go down, the Jets can steal one from the Browns, who clearly are not the team that many believe they would be in week two, or, or maybe the Jets can beat the Eagles, who have dealt with their own rash of injuries and have struggled, and, and honestly, that Jets defense played all right in that game against the Eagles. It was just the offense couldn't do anything. There's reason to believe that the Jets could potentially have two to three additional wins, certainly at least one with that bank with the Bills game, but maybe two to three additional wins onto this record. You tack on that fourth game if the Jets are able to beat the Bills here in Week 17, and suddenly you're looking at a team that's anywhere from eight, nine, ten wins this season. So if you believe that you are that close, that you're a 9-10 win team when healthy, yeah, I know they played a week schedule, but still, you believe this is a 9-10 or 10 win team when healthy, and now you're going to have Joe Douglas in charge of this roster for a full NFL draft, one where you have a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and two early third-round picks thanks to the ineptitude of the New York Giants. Plus, you're going to have your fourth-round pick. Plus, then you're still going to have, after the expected uh, veteran releases, $80 million in salary cap space. There's every reason to believe that this Jets team can go from 8-9 wins to 10-11 wins heading into next season with what they're able – if they're able to build this thing right. You know, like like uh, Joe Douglas has a heck of a draft with all those picks. He does well in free agency. You can add – and easily add in another two or three wins to the roster from what it is now. So if you think the Jets were an eight and nine team, eight or nine win team when healthy this year, 
Well, now you're looking at they're a 9 or a 10 win team when healthy next year, or maybe even an 11 win team. And now you're fighting for the division title. You see the Patriots do not look like the team they used to be. Tom Brady finally looks like he's human. The Bills obviously are a pretty good team, but this AFC East would conceivably be wide open where 10 or 11 wins can potentially get you the division title, can certainly get you in the wild card mix. And I even say 10 or 11 wins would certainly earn you a wild card spot. So if you believe that you are truly this close, as Jamal Adams said after the game, well, it doesn't really make sense to trade Le'Veon Bell. It doesn't really make sense to trade Jamal Adams. And when we were talking about the idea of trading Adams, trading Bell, all this stuff back during the NFL's trade deadline and the couple of weeks after that, it was centered around the fact that the Jets were so far off from where so many people expected that this was going to be a one, two, or three win team this year. Injuries certainly played a role in them only potentially winning one, two, or three games, but that was a sign that this team was not as far along as expected. At 6-10, and 7-9, which is where the Jets are trending towards completing this season with the rash of injuries that have decimated this team with the offseason that can come where you can add pieces and infuse this roster with talent, well, maybe suddenly they're not as far off as expected. I mean, there's a very big difference between a 7-9 and nine team and a team that finishes 3-13. and 13. And if the Jets are closer to that 7-9 and nine range, well, then you have to believe that you can add 2-3-4 more wins with a good offseason. And if that's the case, if they believe that they truly are close when Adam Gase and Joe Douglas and everyone sits down these decision makers and really assesses this roster in terms of what they are, what they're not, what they have, what they need, if they believe they're only a couple pieces away, that yeah, they need to rework the offensive line, but they can do it because there are these players in the draft and these players in free agency they can get, I don't think it makes sense anymore to trade Bell or Adams considering what the Jets have accomplished the second half of this year. Because when we were talking about those guys getting traded, the Jets looked headed for 3-13. and 13. Finishing 7-9, it's not what you want. The, losses, the loss to the Bengals and the loss to the Dolphins when those two teams are winless is ugly, it's disgusting, it's embarrassing. But still, it's an accomplishment for the state of this roster to finish 7-9. and nine. And if you believe that when they're healthy, you can add two or three additional wins to that column, that win column, and then you have a whole offseason to add additional pieces and add additional talent, then you want to try, then you don't want to give away holes. You don't want to create holes to then have to fill them in terms of trading Adams and Bell. You want to keep those guys in the mix to uh, potentially make a, uh, a run next year at the playoffs. And and look, Tim, I mean, I think that, that that's kind of where the Jets have positioned themselves here to, or at least they need to have that discussion where a month ago, two months ago, that, that would have seemed far-fetched and, and ignorant. Yeah, you just got to have a, you got to be real honest about it when you look inwardly, I think, because you don't want this to be fool's gold. It was a super easy schedule. Um, it's probably not going to be as easy a schedule next year. Um, so so you got to be sure you're doing the right thing. But I kind of agree with you. I just, I just can't imagine, Adams is such a difference maker on defense that I just feel like keeping him just has more value. Even if you're going to get multiple picks, he's just such a star. Who knows if you're going to be able to draft a star player yeah. like that. But They, they hey, need to be they, blown away. That's what right. happened. They would need to be, to trade out, like Bell would be the guy that you're dealing just because it didn't really work. He doesn't really fit, and you're looking for a fourth or a fifth round pick. I mean, it's one of those things where you're looking to just get something back for him. Not a sixth or a seventh at that point. It doesn't make sense to deal him. But a fourth round pick, third round pick, certainly you're talking about. You know that that's a that's a decent compensation for a running back that's going to be 27, 28 years old and doesn't fit into your offense and all that all that stuff. With Adams, this is a guy that's still on his rookie deal. Is an All Pro player. Is in his prime. Is as good as advertised. Is a dominant football player. But if you're going to deal him, you need to be compensated for dealing him. And again, you're not going to give him up. For a first round pick, you're not giving him up for a second. You're going to give him up 
for multiple high-level picks. I'm talking like a one, a three, and something in 2021. That's the kind of package of picks you're looking to potentially move Jamal Adams, the team's captain. They wouldn't give him away. But there is an offer if you say, okay, look, we're listening to deals for Jamal Adams. You do reach a point where some team will give you something that you can't turn down, and that's the deal you'd be waiting for. Yeah, absolutely. If you're a football fan, the holiday season is here. You know what that means. Not just the NFL final weeks and playoffs, but bowl season, as in well over 30 bowl games before the championship game coming up on January 13th. If that's not enough to get you excited, the playoff push is underway for the pros. Need even more? The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on all of that action and more 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have a great promotion running every single day. From odds boost to free bets, DraftKings has it all. It's the final week of the pro football season, so be sure to get your bets in this weekend. And don't miss out on the bowl games happening all week long. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook will give new users a free bet just for signing up. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use code QUICK for a limited time. All new users can get a free bet when you sign up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with the code QUICK to place your first bet, and you get a risk-free bet up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey-only restrictions apply. See sites for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As for picks, I just wanted to throw in here before we move on to Sam Donald and the rest of the Jets game that uh, I made some ground up this week. Three and one. No thanks to the uh, the Jets, who were my one miss. But uh, Connor's sitting at two and one with the Packers playing tonight. Uh, and, and Marissa goes two and two. Too much focus on bridesmaid duties, I think, or maid of honor uh, duties bull. this no, weekend. No, I don't no? give her yeah. any excuses. She wasn't giving. She was, <laughs> no, and she's gonna talk trash after her sweep. The only one of us to sweep again. Well, I had my reverse sweep where I didn't win a single game, and she's gonna talk trash about going four and zero. She doesn't get to play. Oh, I was busy. I didn't really. I didn't get to crunch the numbers enough. No, 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 no way. We're not. We're not giving her any slack. Not not after. Speaking- not after she pulled a four and zero. Fair enough. Speaking of uh, of betting and maid of honor, there was actually bets, prop bets placed on Marissa at this wedding. By the way, Marissa, this is you amazing. Jump in Marissa here, needs uh, to come in here and discuss right? this because I wish yeah, I knew length, this beforehand. I would have hopped in on this. I would. I would length, absolutely length of got in on speech. This. Break down the prop bets that were directly connected. We'll give to, the background because Marissa was uh, Marissa. Your sister got married, right? Like provide the background yes. and all that stuff. Yes, my little sister got married. It was a beautiful wedding. She looked amazing. It was such a great time. But I'm also a very emotional person, and I come from a very big Italian family, and everyone, you know, likes to make fun of each other now and then. So before I was about to give my speech, they had some odds going that I would cry during my speech. Really nice cousins of mine. I did not know this at the time, but they had a length of speech bet, and they had, if I would cry, um, it was 10 to 1 odds that I would cry. And... (laughs) <laughs> Not a single tear shed. Wow. So, so someone made bank on that because I'm, I'm looking at this, yes. this list right now. You were plus five. If someone bet for you not to cry, that's plus 520. Who put out this money? Who was, who was playing the dealer of this of this hand? My little cousin was the <laughs> orchestrator of this wedding betting line. Um, and afterwards, everyone kept coming up to me and going, no tears? You lost me so much money. <laughs> he had it so organized. This kid's smart he- as hell. How old is he? He is 21. 
So he, okay, okay, he, so not too little. I at was least thinking it's like legal. a twelve-year-old yes. running a gambling ring. And, I was like, and we should man. say, the, yes. man. we should say the uh, the wedding was in New Jersey, so this all is all legal. Fine. Yep. Um, he had a who would be the most drunk, who would be most active on the dance floor, and I'm gonna say he was really off in a lot of his odds. So I did not cry. I, I got a lot of compliments on my speech, but I got a, a lot of comments. You know, I lost people money, but my sister enjoyed it, which was the most important part. Um, so it was a great time. But so I might have not done as well with my football picks. But um, and I did. I re- really did screw over some people's uh, picks on my speech. But it was all fun. Wedding prop bets not available on DraftKings, but hopefully yes. we'll work on Sadly. it. Unfortunately. Sadly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Back to the Jets. Sam Darnold. We got to talk about him, um, Connor, because I mean, the numbers aren't great. 16 to 26, buck 83, a touchdown, but no interceptions. And this was a Steelers defense that has made a lot of quarterbacks look really bad this season. And Sam, Sam Darnold did not look bad. He just didn't play lights out or anything but opening drive he looked really solid five of six to to lead them down the field for that one touchdown and he I'll say it this way we'll bring back this line he did not see ghosts on Sunday no he didn't man look I I think that I'll be totally honest I've never seen a coach ridiculed hated loathed to pick the adjective as much as Adam Gase has been with the Jets and at some point it's expected that you know, when the Jets were going throughout this offseason and, and they were or their coaching search this offseason, they were trying to pick their guy. Adam Gase was not the person that everyone wanted. Right. I mean, you wanted fans wanted Matt Rule is the guy that they wanted. They wanted Mike McCarthy. I mean, there, there were guys out there that they wanted that they were going to believe that was going to be the pick. And after watching Adam Gase struggle and alienate a lot of the people over there in Miami, when his name started to surface as a potential candidate for the Jets, it was met with backlash of, of this isn't, no, this isn't, the, no, this is not right. This is, no, this is not supposed to happen. So he kind of wasn't the candidate everyone wanted. And then when he was hired, you had, the, obviously, a fan base is, is going to want to be optimistic about it. So they said, okay, well, you know, maybe the Jets know more than what everyone else did. But when this season started spiraling out of control, they started 1-7. and seven. They've dealt with their struggles. They lost to the winless Dolphins. Then they lost to the winless Bengals. Well, basically, the fan base that didn't really want Adam Gase to start with looked at this as justification of it's wrong. And now since then, everything the guy does is going to be torn apart and ripped down and basically skinned alive and, and trotted around town to, to be tar and feathered. I mean, that that's where this is. The only way that Adam Gase is going to be able to win over this fan base is if he makes the playoffs. And makes the playoffs quick, which means in 2020, he's got to turn this around where he might not be long for, for the sideline over there at MetLife Stadium. But what... I think people looked at with the struggles of the offense where Darnold kind of looking pedestrian, the passing game not really doing much, the rushing game not really doing much, that kind of yada yada, you know, mumbo jumbo, is that going into this game when uh, Tom Compton went down, the Jets basically said, if we are going to win this, we are going to win this game. And this was the projection of what they had. If they thought they were going to win this game, they were going to win it 17 to 10. That was the score that those people in that building felt they needed to get to in order to win this one they needed to control the time of possession they needed to ensure that they did not turn the ball over they needed to methodically march up and down the field and win the failed position game if that meant running on a third and seven to set up a punt from the 40 yard line that's fine because you're pinning the Steelers deep then you're hoping that your defense can force a three and out against two very 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 I would say below average quarterbacks and Mason Rudolph and Hodges you're thinking you can force those guys to punt then suddenly you get the ball around the 35 40 maybe even 50 yard line on a bad punt then you move another 10 20 yards you can set up a field goal and just make that the game win it ugly 
win it where it's not pretty, but win the game and find a way to win the game. And it wasn't going to be pretty. It wasn't going to be gorgeous. And I think Sam Darnold's performance exemplified that. I mean, Gase gives his team a uh, PowerPoint presentation before at the beginning of every single week, you know, and, and basically what it is is there's a bunch of analytical tendencies, there's a bunch of keys, and there's a, a, a breakdown of what the Jets need to do to win. And what he told his team from the beginning, he said the defense, defensive guys, you're going to need to ball out. Offense, we're going to need to to scrape and, and scratch and claw and find a way to win this game. It's not going to be pretty. We're going to be booed. There's going to be times because we know Compton's not going to play. We're not going to be able to give Darnold three, three and a half seconds to throw on third and seven. So we're going to have to run the ball to protect them. We're going to have to play the field position, time of possession. Don't turn it over game. And if every single one of our possessions ends in some form of a kick, be that a field goal, extra point or punt, we will win this game. And that's exactly what the Jets did on Sunday. They played their game plan perfectly. And Darnold was a part of it. Were his statistics gorgeous? Absolutely not. Like you said, 16 of 26. That's just a little over a 61% completion percentage. He threw for under 200 yards, just one touchdown, no interceptions. But he didn't make the back-breaking, back-breaking boneheaded play that would cost the Jets a victory. Le'Veon Bell, same thing like we talked about before. 72 yards rushing, 2.9 yards a pop. That's not good, but it was enough to get the Jets the victory. They withstood and outlasted the Steelers, who are a team that has won eight games this year with uh, outlasting their opponents. It was a good win for the Jets. It was an impressive win for the Jets. And considering the state of this team, which is now on their 10th offensive line combination, the offense wasn't pretty, wasn't good, but they knew they'd have to rely on their defense. They relied on their defense. They kept Sam Darnold upright. They avoided the back-breaking mistake, and they won a game as a result. It wasn't pretty. Fans aren't going to love it. Fans that don't like Adam Gase is, is going to are going to look at this offensive performance with you know wanting with, with pitchforks raised and and you know chants bellowing loud. But still, it's a win for the Jets. It's a Jets team that has been dreadful the last three years. They're now six and nine. They have a chance to go seven and nine, and I think it's a step in the right direction. One more thing on Darnold. Well, one, he got rid of the ball quick, which was key, and yeah. and that was one of the reasons he was only sacked twice. But we talked about it couple of weeks ago the the touchdown pass to Crowder where he threaded the needle to an impossible spot uh and how special that was how about the touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson I mean in the only spot it could be and granted not every receiver makes that catch but it was really in a spot where it wasn't going to be picked off and Anderson able to use his athletic ability to get up there and make the play I mean that throw was I just said wow I'm sitting on my couch and it was a wow moment where and we get those from Sam Darnold and usually he mixes in the wow with the oh no but this one was he avoided the oh no and just gave us the wow Sorry, I had to go turn off the uh, the Roomba. We have this uh, the Roomba thing that goes around and cleans the house. So it's like, yeah, I was it was like in the hallway and it. Let's leave this twice. in the pod, Marissa. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we can we can leave this in. But I, I saw the Roomba drive by my office twice, and I looked over. It's like, okay, we made it the one pass. We made it. So I was like, this mother effer is gonna be coming in here soon. And like I, it's like, I can tell you guys why. Like, well, I'm a, I'm a tech junkie. I love gadgets, gizmos. I love electronics, all that stuff. So when uh, my fiance and I moved in together two years ago, I have a dog, Lucy. Like she's my pride and joy, my little Lucy. But Bree is also gets allergic to like the dander from the dog. So I knew that with her, with her and I moving in together, she was gonna basically make me vacuum every single day because otherwise the dander was gonna get everywhere. And I was like, f that, I am not doing that every single day. So I bought a Roomba, which it connects to the you know the Amazon devices, and and it can. And now, as I say that, the Amazon in my office is gonna start going off the Echo devices and all that stuff. 
And it connects to and you can talk to and you can say like, hey, clean the house. And then it cleans the house and it zips it all up. And it's awesome because it keeps the dog hair off the ground. But I guess my girlfriend started it before she went to the mall to finish up or fiance started it. I don't have a girlfriend and a fiance. It's just the fiance. I just got to get used to saying this over and over again. <laughs> but uh, I guess she started it beforehand and then it docks itself and it like empties out the bin and then it starts running again. And when we started recording, it was when I heard it in the background. I was like, uh oh. And then it made the two passes and then it came in here and I was like, all right, this ain't going to go farther. I got to turn this bad boy off. So I just paused him uh, and all that stuff and, and we're good. But uh, no, look, you, you made a comment about that, that throw from Darnold, man. That was that was dynamite. I mean, that was as good of a throw as I've seen. I mean, he Anderson's covered. He had a slight step on the defender, but he's covered. He has basically no room to, to work with in terms of how quickly and how fast he's approaching the back of the end zone. And Darnold put that ball where neither of those two defenders had a chance to make the play. It was not going to be intercepted. It was not going to be batted down. It was either going to be caught by Anderson or it was going to sail out of the back of the end zone. And give Anderson credit, he made a hell of a throw. But that was an unbelievable pass. There are a few players in the NFL, few quarterbacks in the NFL, who make that throw. And Darnold made it and made it look easy. And I can't remember if we talked about it on last week's podcast. I don't... I can't remember. I know I was talking to somebody about it. I can't remember if it was you, you and Marissa, uh, Tim. I, I can't remember if it was uh, an SNY. I can't remember where I was when I was talking about it. But that throw to Crowder, we talked to Darnold about it on Thursday when he meets the media for his weekly press conference. And and we asked him about it. And basically, you know, what do you see on the throw? How do you go about making that throw? And he said, oh, you know, well, I was rolling out to the right. I knew I had to make a play. And I noticed the defender's back. So I knew that because his back was turned, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, quote, I noticed the defender's back. And then what he meant by noticing the defender back, he went on to say that, you know, he, he, he knew that once that was the case, he didn't have his head turned around so he couldn't make a play on a ball. So he had a chance to fit it in there. That is such a next level thought that it really is starting to see the mental maturation for Darnold. And then once he continues to mature mentally, is when he then can, you'll start to see it on the field and where his game will truly take the next step. He'll truly turn that corner. The light bulb will go on and you'll see him elevate his status to franchise quarterback, elite level, top five play. Obviously, there's a lot that still has to go on to do that. You need to see if he still makes that jump. But the mental maturation that he's seeing and that one quote of, I saw the defender's back. I would say that there's probably 20 quarterbacks in the NFL, 20 starting quarterbacks in the NFL that would not notice that or would not be able to recognize that in real time to be able to roll out, see the back of the defender and know, okay, I can take a chance. Now I can throw this one in there and try to thread the needle to then actually go on to the actual, to the physical throw itself of how he fit it into such a tight window. That's absurd, but also why he knew he could throw it was seeing, I mean, you can see the guy starting to develop. You're starting to see him make plays and, and that throw to Anderson was gorgeous. I still think the one to Crowder was, was even more ridiculous, but now this is back to back weeks where He's led the Jets to uh, to to impressive drives that end uh, in touchdowns because of his arm. We talked a little bit about the defense and and how they needed them to be the the unit that won this game. We talked about Adams and, and his value as well. Just a little bit more there. Um, I thought May made some really big plays in pass protection, and Quinn and Williams comes through. With a big sack, and that's the thing we haven't seen from Williams, right, is the ability to get to a quarterback. How encouraging was that for him to get back in the lineup, be healthy, and actually get a pass rush from the inside? Uh, like, I don't I don't want to rip on, on Quinn Williams or anything like that. I mean, it was an impressive sack, give him credit, all that stuff. But he also was completely untouched. Like, there was there was no one in the area. There, I mean, he just wasn't. He wasn't blocked, and he he sprinted to the quarterback, and he got there. Give him credit. He got there. He made the sack, all that stuff. But 
you're still waiting to see the game that Williams takes over. You're waiting to see that you're waiting to see the the true flip of the like you're you're waiting to see that dominance, right? That game that every rookie has where the light bulb kind of turns on and you see him just take over, the game slows down and he makes his difference. You know, six or seven tackles, a couple for a loss, the pass breakup where he's jumping up and batting it down in two sacks or something like that. You haven't really seen it at all. I mean, and, and this one sack, it was good to see Quinn and Williams get in there. He, he showed great acceleration to burst into the backfield and get to the quarterback, but he also was not touched. And aside from from that one sack, you know, I don't think he made a, a huge, huge, huge difference. He did have four tackles, but that was his only quarterback hit. That was his only tackle for a loss. So you're still waiting to see that true breakout from, uh, from Quinn this year. All right, that's fair enough. I'm trying. I'm trying to be positive here, Connor. You're bringing me down. There you go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I think that's good as far as the defense goes. So that brings us to uh, a couple things. One, they dropped from 7th to 12th in the draft, which isn't great, but you like to see this team win games. And two, we're not going to have a show later this week. So you look ahead to this Bills game. You said it earlier. You think, um, you know, with the limited amount of top flight players that are going to be playing in this game for the bills because they it's their chance to get a little rest because they're heading to the playoffs and they don't have a buy. Um, the jets have a legitimate chance to win this game. The bills have a good defense and the offense is probably not as good, obviously without Josh Allen, but what are the keys for the jets to, to really get to win number seven? Just don't play down to your opponent. That's it. That's it. They, they should, they should win this game running away, especially if the bills don't play their guys and, and they basically play their JV team. The jets, on the road should go out there and, and, and blow them. I mean, they should win by, by two, three touchdowns. That should honestly be the case that the Bills don't play their starters. And it's just going to be the Jets not playing down to their opponent, which you've seen. They did it to the winless Dolphins. They did it to the Bengals. They kind of go in expecting the win and wipe the floor with the team, and, and then they get their butts handed to them as a result. So it, it's just going to be avoiding the turnover, controlling the time of possession, all the things, the cliche things that teams need to do to win. That's what the Jets are going to need to do. But above all of that, they cannot play down to their competition. They can't They can't walk in to New Era Field and just think that they're going to win that game and, and, and pull away a victory, and that's going to be that, and it's over and sweet. You know, it's over with, and, and now the Jets are, are you know, 7-9. and nine. They need to go in there, and they need to end the season with a statement. They need to show, fine, Bills don't want to play their starters. We'll play this game and make people know that they did not play their starters with a 28-10 victory or, or, or get up to 31-13 or maybe hold the Bills to only three, six, nine points, you know, something like that. They just need to have a dominant, resounding victory. They should because of the fact the Bills aren't playing their starters, but they need to do it with their mental uh, ability to walk into that game and say, you know what? I know they're not playing their starters, but let's end this season on a high note. Let's kick their ass because we know they can, and let's walk off the field with a win. Yeah, and the next time we get together for this podcast, um, be after that game, maybe Monday or Tuesday, um, we'll see what goes down as far as the Jets go on. You know, it's Black Monday across the NFL. The Jets seem pretty safe as far as that goes. Um, but, yeah, they won't be making uh, so a coaching change. All right, so like I said, uh, the rest of this week we won't have another podcast. So you can definitely enjoy the holiday, and it's Hanukkah, it's it's Christmas, it's all happening this week. So enjoy that without having to tune in to, uh, to Connor and myself. Um, but as you shift your attention with this Jets team to the draft, make sure you check out Prospects to Pros. It's another podcast here at The Athletic. Dane Brugler and Chris Burke. 
They just wrapped up a two-part series focusing on the best prospects playing in each college bowl game. So check those out as we start to shift focus to the draft and who the Jets may get there as they start to look like maybe a a mid-first round pick. We'll see how things go here coming up on Sunday. Follow Connor on Twitter, Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim M. McMaster. Thanks to Marissa for uh, battling through after the wedding and and helping us out here, pressing all the buttons. We will talk to you again uh, about a week from now.